Hello and welcome to Blowing Cartridges, the gaming podcast where we dive into the issues surrounding gaming culture and the games themselves. I'm Brendan Tam, and joining me as always is my good friend and indefatigable co-host, Zach Clark. So, Zach, it's, uh, I don't even know what month it is anymore. It's September, I think, but how's it all going? How's all the, how's life, how's games, how's everything? Yeah, things are good, you know, just, just moving and shaking my way through through life and games at the moment. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good time, you know, spring is hitting in Australia at least. Um, so it's probably that, like, we're probably in that weird crossover period where we're probably similar temperatures right now where you are and where I am, just for different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, you're definitely right. Talking to people back home, uh, there's been some days where it's hotter back in Australia than here, and we're supposedly still well, edging out of summer, but it never gets warm in this cold and desolate of aisle, as <laughs> most people know. And we are... Well, what we're trying to do recently is start to get back into the groove of uh, having guests come on and discuss these topics with us. And uh, today we have a good friend of the show and avid listener of Blowing Cartridges podcast, Ricky, joining us to talk about a special topic we have today. So, good day, Ricky. How's it going? Hello there. Things are going well. It's good to be here. First time on our fantastic podcast. And Zach, what, what is the topic today? I know... It is a topic I chose, but I'll do something different and throw it to you and uh, for you to start the set off. Well, we had a couple of puns here, from one from me and one from you at least. Uh, I'm going to, if you're listening, I'm going to give you like five seconds while I ramble just to think what the puns were that may have hinted towards the topic. And if you haven't guessed by now, we're talking about a genre today, and that genre is rhythm games. Uh, so if you didn't guess it, uh, now you can go back and try and pick the puns. Good reason to re-listen. Uh, <laughs> or, or, or read the title of the episode. Yeah, look, no, no one reads. Everyone's just got their podcast on auto-download and play, right? Um, <laughs> true, true. But uh, yeah, so uh, I think this is probably our second or maybe third, I think at least second time doing a genre-specific one, if my memory serves me right. Uh, Brendan, I don't know if uh, I, um, I recall doing I'm not sure if we've done another genre. This would be the second one, because we yeah. did do it. We did the JRPG episode with uh, Matt from Digitally Downloaded. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, fun to tackle another, another genre, and quite a fun one. Uh, obviously, it's, it's not necessarily like... I guess a genre that often people are thinking about in the forefront of gaming, like, you know, at least not in the year 2023. Uh, but it's a, it's a, been a genre that's been persistent. It's been around for a long time. There was a point in time when it was potentially one of the most forward facing uh, parts of gaming. And we'll of course touch on that as we go through uh, a bit of a history of it and our experiences. Uh, but yeah. And I mean, that's, that's also why, We've got Ricky on because uh, he, even to this day, is still uh, an avid player of uh, of rhythm games, particularly those that use uh, the plastic instruments. Um, I even saw, I think, recently you got some very cool Guitar Hero uh, guitar ca- uh, cases, which I thought were were super, super, super fascinating. Yeah, yeah, that was a nice find. Yeah, it is a very interesting genre because it's relatively a new one. I actually. I did a bit of Googling in the lead up to this episode, read the great encyclopedia of the world, Wikipedia, and uh, it 
Wikipedia claims that it did start. It's a genre that started in nineteen ninety six with what they term the first popular rhythm game, uh, which is um, Parappa the Rapper, which you might have guessed, Zach. Uh, I wouldn't have uh, no, That's surprising. I mean, not to derail the podcast already, but it's kind of fascinating to think that we were already in the 3D era, apparently, before rhythm games became a thing, right? Which I guess makes some sense, because it's, like it's also a CD-based console, but even then, that's still... A shocker to me that we didn't have something pretty Yeah, it surprised me too. And I think it does it does make sense with what you just said there, though, Zach, with uh well having the disc based medium and being able to have more music, because if we discuss what a rhythm game is briefly, sure that the gameplay loop is very important, which in many ways, depending on what rhythm game we're talking about, can be distilled into I guess pressing buttons on a controller and reacting to prompts, which you could argue you'd be able to use in a 2D setting. And there's plenty of sprite-based 2D rhythm games we can think of that have released since that 1996 period. But I think overwhelmingly the important part of the genre is that music component that you wouldn't, well, it probably sounds like a no-brainer, but you wouldn't have the rhythm game without the music. You wouldn't have the rhythm game without being able to react to or you're you're reacting to prompts based on the rhythm, based on the music. That's where the name rhythm game comes from. I I, fe- I, I just felt like it would be older than that. Like <laughs> at at the very least, I thought uh, something like uh, Taiko no Tatsujin had been around even longer than that. But yeah, I see. Even that only came out in two thousand and one. Yes, because my understanding is after Parappa, then of course you had Konami getting in on the craze, and you had. They even set up their own division called B-Nami, which I think is a pun on Beach and Konami. And uh, I think that, well, they developed what a lot of people's first interaction with the genre would be. And I think for memory, it was one of my early interactions with the genre, even though I didn't know that it was a genre at the time, which would be Dance Dance Revolution in arcades. Uh, mm. I, I always saw it as sort of quite a imposing sort of, it seemed like something with a bit of a level co- um, curve because you'd see people um, playing um, playing the game and they'd be very, very good at it and it'd be quite intimidating. Uh, I, I don't know if you two have memories of seeing it in arcades growing up. Well, to be fair, I, I still feel that way when I see people <laughs> <laughs> on those bloody things. Uh, I'll just I'll just hang back and watch and just be in awe. I. I didn't see it much when I was growing up because I didn't really go to arcades much, but uh, whenever I did come across it, it was either not touched or it was uh, only ever used by somebody who clearly had been using it for a very, very long time. <laughs> not me. Yeah, I, yeah, no, I, I'm pretty similar. I mean, I, I think I maybe like came across it once or twice in the wild because, I mean, the only arcade near me would have been like an intensity at um at a local shopping centre and... I feel like they did have a machine, but definitely for me, I noticed DDR more when you started to see those big boxes with the dance mats in um, in shops. That's when I was much more aware of DDR uh, as a concept, um, for me at least. Mario Dance Mix, Zach? Yes, Mario Dance Mix, which I've got somewhere, I think probably still at my parents' house. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, uh, so that so Brendan, was that 
from your perspective, that was your earliest sort of memory of a of a rhythm game. Is that that broadly correct? Yes, that is correct. Probably not the, my earliest memory of playing one, but my mo- earliest memory of seeing one and starting to understand what it actually what represented. Yes. Interesting. Um, yeah, Ricky, what about you? Do you sort of remember when you first encountered the genre? Um, well, I can't recall when the first time it would have been that I'd seen DDR. So the first time, and I didn't play Parappa either. I, I still haven't played Parappa. Um, so I feel like the first time I really came across the genre was with Guitar Hero, uh, specifically Guitar Hero 2, which, uh, when I used to go visit, uh, a fellow member of our Discord, Ludi, at his house, uh, his brother used to play Guitar Hero 2 a lot on PlayStation 2. So that was the first time that I came across the rhythm game. And I just so happened to be a fan of rock music, so it just really clicked I was like, oh, this is this is cool. It's a game, but it's music, but it's also a game and it's music. This a, these are two good things that I like. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'd promptly pick it up and, and fail about a quarter of the way into the song. And I'd, I'd never I'd never allow myself to drop down to beginner and try and get better. I'm just like, no, nope, OK, I give up and then go home again. So that was <laughs> that was the be all and end all of my rhythm gaming, at least back in. I guess uh, 2006-ish. I don't think I saw anything before that. I might have, yeah, slightly eked you out because I remember uh, probably my first real experience with a rhythm game was also a plastic instrument, but it was bongo drums with Donkey Kong. Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice. So, so obviously the brand there doing the heavy lifting of, of oh, I like Donkey Kong. Uh, this is a new Donkey Kong <laughs> game. Why not? Um, I have a console that has no video games. Let's get this. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, what else are you going to get for for Christmas other than the one game they maybe released that? Yeah, I can't, I can't remember. But um, yeah, I remember getting Donkey Konga, and um, it was this one year like all my cousins from Canberra were over, uh, which is not something we did often uh, with the family. So they were all over for Christmas, and yeah, it just went wild that Christmas. We like people playing Donkey Konga in the in the um in the living room because I think we also got a second set of bongos from Nintendo Australia you had to order them so it was it was like good multiplayer um again sorry a couple of years I reckon before Guitar Hero really took off yeah in hindsight not like a, a fun rhythm game again cool controller ton of fun not necessarily the best soundtrack if I'm being honest like a lot of covers of um quite old songs like it's not bad but it's not not as good as I'd say even the first couple of Guitar Heroes. But, uh, you know, it was, again, quite novel at the time. Um, and I think it's, you know, the mixture of there's a, just a few songs everyone knows. It's quite tactile and easy to understand. Just, you know, hit left, right, or clap. Um, it really just appealed to, to anyone um, that saw it. Uh, probably not enough to sell, you know, millions of GameCubes, sadly. But, uh, uh, yeah, it made it a, an interesting title on that system. I never did play that myself, but uh, I, I remember seeing it eventually. I just don't remember where. And then, yeah, uh, that was still at a period where I didn't get many games in general. So I only actually got the uh, the Donkey Kong drums like four years ago in, on one of my Japan trips. I found it for like 500 yen. Very nice. And I'm like, game. okay, cool. And it came with... Uh, Whatever the second one was, uh, the second Donkey Konga game. Yeah. Donkey Konga 2 or Jungle Beat. 
Yeah. Whatever the second yeah. one was. <laughs> yeah. So I've got that. I've got to get into it sometime. Which actually, I know you love my tangent, Zach, and that, that actually does bring us to a tangent because would you count donk? Would you count Jungle Beat as a rhythm game? Oh man, I mean, we're already we're already touching. I mean, it's pro- probably no with Jungle Beat. I think there are, and again, maybe this is something we need to dive into now or later. There's there's this growing number of games that aren't strictly rhythm games but incorporate rhythm components. Mm. Um, probably very common example in this day and age is um crypto the necro dancer or uh cadence of hyrule which basically the same game same developer just um one's zelda themed but i'd say donkey kong jungle beat is more a is more just a platformer played with an instrument for some reason because there's no there's no like Maybe this is also where we have to define what's a rhythm game. I think there's a few components, right? You need some sort of music and there has to be some sort of like action or timing you do in relation to that music. And that's just not a feature of that game, which is just very much just you can tap to go left or right as, as frequently as you want. And there's no real benefit to um to doing it in a in a rhythmic way, I suppose. But I can recall. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but it's, it's been a while since I played it. Obviously, I was like again a child. I think when I last touched it. Uh, yes, I've actually never played it myself. So that's that's why I was asking the question. And uh, the interesting thing with the bongo drums and Donkey Konga on the GameCube is that I actually don't ever remember seeing it in the wild at the time. I don't recall seeing it in EB games and the yeah, like. I so I can't imagine that. It was probably one of those, like, if you you pre-ordered it, maybe you got it. Because it was probably, what, like, tail end of GameCube and the retailers are like, are we really going to give, like, five games worth of shelf space to a <laughs> to a, a set of bongos with a, a Donkey Kong game on this console that in this country at least hadn't sold particularly well? Uh, probably the answer was no. Compared to, you know, as, soldier, uh, sorry, as Ricky just said, um, in Japan, uh, there's probably... Bongos are plenty, hence why they're they're selling for what's the equivalent of like seven or eight Australian dollars at the moment. Yeah, if if that, depending on the exchange rate. <laughs> yeah. Thinking back, I think my first experience fully with a rhythm game, aside from seeing things like Dance Dance Revolution in the wild, was actually still to this day one of my favourite video games is Elite Beat Agents on the Nintendo DS, which. I do have to admit, I did first encounter it and play it through an R4 card I had at the time, and uh, a, a friend of mine, I, a friend of mine on the school bus who was a few years older than me, was the person that sort of convinced me to get an R4 card and was like, "Ah, oh, if you give me the cartridge, I'll load it up with all the games I have and give it back to you." So after a couple of, I, th- I think it took a little bit of time to actually get the um, get the R4 card and. Uh, um, get it and get it to this guy and for him to get, give it back to me. But uh, this would have been about 2006, 2007. So I had all these all these DS games that, yes, was blatant piracy at the time, of course. But that, that's how I got into And I'd never heard of Elite Beat Agents, never saw it. And not, again, another case that I never saw it in the stores, which isn't really a surprise considering that it was an absolute commercial financial bomb at the time. And uh, I think... There's anecdotes that have put off Nintendo of America for localizing a lot of those, well, what was what was termed at the time niche Japanese games. So, so that's all the context to Elite Beat Agents. But the game itself, I, 
to this day, I think encapsulates a lot of what I find attractive of the genre. It has has a mix of music, and I think that's a game that has a really good choice of musical tracks. I think that's one of the one of the great things they did with that localization was to get a great mix of popular songs on that soundtrack as well as some more some more niche ones. But I I'd say if you if you think about it, that sound the the soundtrack, the songs they chose in that game very much does encapsulate popular music in the mid two thousands. And the I think the gameplay loop really shows that rhythm games in my view they excel when they have another input, when they have a plastic instrument controller, when they have a touch screen you can use a stylus to hit that I I personally like that additional input, which with the current um I guess the the current selection of modern consoles you don't really have that. Um but but that's one of my views. And you agree with me, Zach, I hear? Oh yeah, I was just about like you you made the point I would have made if you if you hadn't said it. It was just like, yeah, but if you look at the theme of the games all three of us have brought up, Guitar Hero, Donkey Konga have weird controllers, uh and then yeah, Elite Beat Agents uh, has the touchscreen, which still was quite novel at that point in time. Um, and I think that is what makes those games stand out. To uh, again, I'm I'm sure something like a Parappa was incredibly amazing at the time, and and it's got a lot of fans because it was the first. But uh, there's only I think so much pressing a button in time um, on a PlayStation or a 64 or something controller, a very traditional game controller will will get you, I suppose, uh, compared to, yeah, these more unique control inputs. I mean, probably a question I'd even ask, uh, Ricky, with with you. I mean, if how would you have felt if you'd gone to, to Ludi's house and you were doing the same game, but it was on a on a PS2 or a GameCube or whatever controller? Do you think that would have hooked you or, or <clears> not as much? I don't think so, no. I mean, a big part of it was the music. The The song that I, I kept trying and failing to uh, to play was a Megadeth song, uh, <laughs> uh, Hangar 18. And it was the first time I'd even heard Megadeth. So that was just one thing that I was like, oh, this is really cool. But the whole, the the fun of the actual playing the thing is holding something that feels like a guitar. Doesn't even remotely look like one because back then they were very very fisher pricey in in size <laughs> and design but uh the feeling was there and yeah i feel like if i had to do it with a controller i wouldn't enjoy it as much kind of reminds me of uh when rock band brought out uh what was it called uh, rock band blitz i think in 2012 where that was just played with a controller and yeah, I didn't really get into that. I I just, I like to have the guitar or the other peripherals. <laughs> Mash away at yeah. the drums or whatever. So, yeah, I don't think I would have gotten into it quite as much. And, you know, I, I think the tactile thing, using your body is more uh, interesting. Like, I feel like uh, DDR wouldn't have been very fun either with a controller. Mm. Got to put I your agree. body and soul into that. <laughs> Uh, I 100% agree. I think that is a large part of the attraction of the genre, that it is, it's more than just sitting down and fiddling around with a game controller, that to your point, even though it's sort of like a Fisher-Price uh, facsimile of what playing a musical instrument is, you still, you have that feeling of playing a musical instrument. It's it's why, and 
they aren't really rhythm games, but it's why your karaoke games like SingStar and the like were also very popular, I think, at a similar time and took off at a parallel to your Guitar Heroes. And it, it very much latches onto that similar well, phenomenon, that the, the feeling and the need to enjoy music in that more interactive way that's more that you can put your body into it that you can put your your soul into it for a lack of a better term yeah definitely a lot more fun and even more fun when there's other people to play with like uh uh you know sitting around with a with a group of people playing with controllers is one thing but you know imagine if you actually had the friends to get together and play you know a full band or even just earlier on when it was you could only just have two uh people playing guitar i think uh yes. just basically dueling each other that was still really really cool and i don't think you could really capture that in any other way no to i guess to go back to my uh, sing star karaoke uh comparison it's the same thing you can do karaoke on your own but it's nowhere near as fun as doing it with friends yeah hitting me deep there i only ever do solo <laughs> karaoke now <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so true. But uh, while we're on the topic, I mean, there was a time where these plastic peripherals were basically a staple of uh, many people's houses, right? Like, you know, that sort of late... I'd say it sort of obviously started on the late PS2, uh, Xbox, GameCube era, but probably really kicked off in the um, Xbox 360, PS3 era. I'd say you're sort of 2006, seven. In my view, yeah, a hundred percent. And then, um, you know, particularly, I think uh, it's it's a weird one in Australia, right? Because I remember America was very big into rock band, which came out probably a bit before Guitar Hero did their band version, which I can't. Band Hero, yeah, it uh, came out two two years before. Yeah, something like that. But but in Australia, I know we had a massive delay on rock band release the first version. Um, because I think it ended up being the other way around where the, the band version of Guitar Hero came out beforehand, which is interesting because uh, mm. I still, again, probably just influenced by American media held out for Rock Band. Um, and it was probably good because it meant I got a lot of DLC accessible to me straight off the gate because it had probably yeah, two years of <laughs> of, uh, of uh, a catalog building. Um, but yeah, when sort of what, obviously I have a sense of where Ricky's is, but uh, Brett, Brendan, did you did you jump on on the any of the the musical instrument game trains? Did you have a, a living room full of plastic peripherals that your parents uh, were very frustrated by? Yeah, of course. DJ Hero was the best. No, I actually never played DJ Hero, <laughs> even though I was very tempted when you could get the like the DJ Hero turntable for five dollars for movie games. I I still did not get it, but I got into Guitar Hero probably arguably at the peak of the, I guess, the fad, for lack of a better term. That would have been about, I think, 2007, 2008 with Guitar Hero 3 Legends of Rock on, on the Wii. I had I had the pack with two guitars, so I did I did play with uh, friends and uh, some of my siblings as well, and I think I got dad into it once or twice, and I, I really enjoyed it as experience. I think from, it was that, it was very much the height of the phenomenon where you had things like the South Park episode it was just in the popular imagination you'd not you'd have friends and family and um, just people you knew at school and the like playing the game and always talking about Guitar Hero so it was very much in the popular imagination and I, I really enjoyed it at the time 
like Ricky just mentioned earlier, it introduced me to a lot of music that I wasn't particularly familiar with and that I still enjoy listening to today. And it was a gateway in many ways in, in, in that regard. And yeah, Ricky, obviously you mentioned your first time experiencing it was going to a friend's house. When mm. did you sort of take the plunge and actually invest in your sort of first Guitar Hero or Rock Band game? Well, it was uh, quite a while after that, actually. My first owned copy of Guitar Hero was when they brought it out to the Nintendo DS. Ah, oh, uh, with, with the attachment thing. Um, yep. Guitar Hero on tour <laughs> in 2008-ish. And my God, did that thing like to slip out mid-song. <laughs> but it was really cool. Like they, they'd made a proper peripheral for it and they'd bundled it with a stylus that looked like a guitar pick. And it had a really solid uh, soundtrack of songs that I still like to listen to to, these, to this day. But yeah, that was, that was my first one. Um, I played that to death, but... Uh, that was that was cramp city I'll, I'll i'll put it mildly my my first console one was the uh, uh world tour which i think came out either the same year or the year after and that was when they added the peripherals and stuff so i got uh, guitar drums uh microphone and for some reason jb hi-fi had like these proper big old metal microphone stands just bashing about they're all like here you go i'm like okay cool that last that lasted me for a decade before it broke so pretty happy with that so that was that was my first real guitar hero and that was the first time that i could play it with other people as well which meant uh basically uh dragging ludi over and forcing him (laughs) to play with me (laughs) which uh if you ever speak to him about it he he won't have nice things to say because that's pretty much all i did from then on with all my Guitar Hero games, I'm like, I need to play this for somebody. You're it, boy. <laughs> I have to admit, that is one thing where if you weren't super into like, it, I have to admit, I didn't dislike Guitar Hero Rock Band. Obviously, I said I bought Rock Band because I was interested, but um, I definitely wasn't um, as big into it as most people. And it did get tiring uh, if you were like, every week, it's like, what are we doing this week? let's play guitar here or a rock band it's like oh, okay i guess we that can do was that me. again <laughs> the, um, the same songs yeah. over and over again we have to do it on the harder difficulty guys yeah <laughs> that, that's something i do want to bring up because i think one of the best decisions they eventually made with um the series because at the start if i'm recalling correctly and hopefully one of you can verify for quite a number of the early entries, they did have the thing where if you just did badly, the song ended and yes. it's like failed yeah. out. And I and while I get that from like a it's good to have consequences in games, the fact of the matter is I think a lot of people weren't using these as games and more as just like a more interesting version of like at home karaoke, if we're being honest. Yeah. Um, oh, one yeah. that didn't require people to sing necessarily because they could just, you know, uh play some drums or or play on guitar. And I think when they eventually allowed you just to like now, nah, and you, you can still have that mode if you want it, but you can also just make it so the songs will get the whole way through, and you just get a shit score. Uh, I think that was that was a big changer for me because I wasn't the most skilled at, at any of the instruments. I probably got best at the um, at the drums eventually, uh, just through sheer pig headed persistence. Um, 
But uh, before then, I was often like clearly letting people down <laughs> in, the, uh, in the multiplayer sessions. <laughs> yeah, originally, uh, No Fail was a cheat, actually, that had to be enabled in uh, Guitar Hero 3. I think, oh, okay. I think after that, it might have been just added as, as, as an option. But yeah, at least in Guitar Hero 3, it was a cheat that you had to unlock. <laughs> yeah, I... Which uh, goes, goes to show they weren't expecting too many people to use it. I do have to admit the only the only games I've owned in the I guess the large series is Guitar Hero Three and also Lego Rock Band. So I actually yes. I've only ever which is a great game, but I've only ever I've never I've played it in other settings, but I've never owned any of the drum kicks or the the drum kits or the microphones or like for you, Brendan, to to get the the Lego Rock Band. <laughs> that is my most played game this year. I am not kidding. Wow. <laughs> this, this is a man of fine taste. He he's a connoisseur. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, when you look back on all the Guitar Hero and and Rock Band games, like the visuals were very much, you know, for their time and within their constraints. So they haven't aged well. Lego, Lego was timeless. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point, actually. Yeah. Oh like, yeah. The, 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 the some of those character models, like, God, I can. Because they're all like in the early Guitar Heroes, they're all they had like they actually had characters, right? Like, yes, was, yeah. I always remember the guy. It was Van something, like probably like a a, a fake rip of Van Halen with the like long dreaded hair kind of thing. Mm. Oh, have I? But yeah. And then you get to Guitar Hero Three, and they're like, "Yeah, we've paid for the rights of Slash. He's Slash, everyone." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they chucked in Slash and Tom Morello, and you know the devil. As yes, as, as you do, <laughs> but uh, they actually did retain those characters. Like they, you know, they they kept redesigning them, but they came back for every game until uh, until the last one of the proper series, Guitar Hero uh, Warriors of Rock. So it was pretty cool. They they continued adding more characters too, but those original characters stuck around and got redesigns, got new clothes and hairstyles depending on the on the game. So I thought that was pretty cool. Whereas Rock Band's one has always been. Yeah, they kind of had some, but they're they're much more generic. So when it comes to that sort of thing, Lego was the way to go. <laughs> Everybody looks good in Lego. <laughs> Never a truer statement has been said on this podcast, Zach. No, I, I can't. <laughs> I'm, I'm, to be fair, I, I actually agree. I think the Lego look is is classic. I mean, I, you could probably play Lego Star Wars from the original one and look almost as as good as uh the mod probably not almost could be you know what i mean you wouldn't you wouldn't really bat an eyelid but yeah i mean obviously that was a big crate and it probably lasted a good solid i'd say three four maybe even five years of being a really common feature in in a lot of people's lives uh but obviously you know if you look at the landscape today uh you walk into a game store you're not going to see really any instrument games on the shelf uh, you might be lucky to see a karaoke game or two, but even they're fairly, um, fairly gone. So it's clearly something happened. Um, I don't know, Brendan. Do you have any thoughts on sort of why we've seen this complete sort of? I, I mean, the genre is not gone, but at least the plastic instrument and even microphone components really not fully gone, but close enough to it in some respects. Um, any thoughts on on how that came to be? Perhaps a perhaps edging towards a larger discussion that's outside the parameters of this uh, episode, but 
I think there is something to say that if you think back to that period of time, that late 2000s, early 2010s in gaming, there was a bit of a, a reaction away from, for lack of a better term, innovation in gaming. There was a reaction away from motion controls. There was a reaction away from, well, having all these peripherals back towards a more, I guess, simpler way of gaming, which is just a controller and a, and a screen. And that that's what gaming should be. And what was more important was higher graphical fidelity, higher frame rates, uh, those sort of more mature story-based experiences. Your, your Last of Us is all those games very much start to take off in the popular imagination. And perhaps outside of the fact that I think one of the downsides was always the fact that the business model of those games did require people to buy more peripherals. So yes, for most, for the most part, you could buy the guitar for let's say Guitar Hero 3 and continue to use it in subsequent games and even use it for rock band games. That There was also a pressure at the same time of, oh, but these new peripherals we've released are better. You need to get these ones instead. And it's this continual cost attached to the genre that I I think did have a part in souring some people to the experience not notwithstanding the um the issue of having to store all these big plastic bulky items which for me is one of the reasons why I never invested in your drum kits and your microphones and the like even though I think it would have been about 2013-14 I saw a a complete band hero set or rock band or whatever it was for like 15 or 20 dollars at a JB Hi-Fi even at that cheap price I was like well where would I actually put all this stuff when <laughs> I, I took it home? I'd be interested to hear what your thoughts are from a retail perspective, Zach, since I know you worked retail during some of the, probably towards the end of the peak of the of the phenomenon, but you might still have some experience yeah, with it. I did. Uh, <laughs> uh, they, yeah, those deliveries were not fun. <laughs> were, were they just massive pallets of like these large yeah, boxes pretty much yeah and again where do you put them is a big challenge um yeah i think you're right the storage is probably i'd say almost arguably a bigger piece of the pie as to why it was an issue because because particularly the drums are just ugh, they're big i think the other thing that probably changed a lot was was was, was console transition so even though some a lot of the time they did a good effort at making sure you could use your old instruments on newer consoles. I think that switch to like PS4, Xbox One, and Wii U. I think really, really put a nail in the coffin. And for for a lot of people, it was like the breaking point where you know if you were selling your old systems, it it was a good time to sell your instruments and just dispose of everything, uh, as well as you know around dlc and support that obviously sort of there was just a lot of breakage i guess in the continuity of you know if you'd bought a guitar hero game at the start of uh the xbox 360 say life cycle you know all you really had to do was keep buying discs even though as you said brendan they tried to convince you to buy more and better guitars for a lot of people they were just happy enough just every year like a call of duty or a or a, another thing like that they would just um uh, invest in in the next disc uh and then in rock band space it became a bit more after rock band 2 just investing in dlc constantly so i think that was a challenge uh it also you know that's when we started to see the transition to a new plastic fad of toys um 
uh, in that era. And obviously as a retailer, you know, they've got so much space on your shelf and Skylanders was selling far more <laughs> than, um, than, uh, than instrument games at that point in time. So I think that was another big killer from a retailer perspective is uh, particularly when, you know, Activision was making both Guitar Hero and Skylanders, they're going to, they're just going to pick ones their their focus. So I think there's like a, a weird storm of like, again, the transition in consoles was a good breaking point for the consumer. New sort of fads were coming in to take their place, even though they were quite different fads and appealed to a very different audience. Uh, and it kind of just culminated in, yes, these brands, uh, maybe not Guitar Hero so much, but at least Rock Band has lived on, but it's become a much more niche and uh, specific community that plays, you know, the modern. Are we up to Rock Band 4, I guess, was the last one a few years ago, which I think still gets DLC support, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. It came out yeah, in 2015, and, but it's still going. Yeah, which is very, first off, I mean, um, harmonics obviously uh, are incredibly impressive in their willingness to continue supporting that game because um, I can only imagine it's, you know, not turning over the dollars it did it during the peak, but yeah, certainly it's uh, it was sort of a wave of factors, is my my view, um, as well as just general fatigue, right? Because they, they were doing annual releases for a long time. Um, I mean, I, I think if you go and watch E three conferences from that period, you're probably seeing, you know, Call of Duty and Guitar Hero uh, are probably your two staples of showing up at least. <laughs> At least once every year. Uh, now it's Just Dance, but uh... <laughs> yes, yeah, J- Just Dance has survived, and in many ways, that's a rhythm game, right? Yeah, I mean, J- Just Dance, I think, is dwindling, but I think it benefited from not needing a peripheral, right? It was just the Wii Remote, um, and that obviously was a massive hit. And then, uh, you know, after that, they've obviously transitioned to whatever the motion control of choices of your system, right? Whether it was the Connect, the Move. Uh, now you can just use your phone. I think in almost every system is the main input if you're not using like a Joy-Con or something. But yeah, like stuff you have already to play games versus, um, again, a big bulky guitar and drum that uh, have no other, you know, function in your life, I suppose. <laughs> yes, yeah, so ne- they never release the rhythm platformer like uh, Jungle Beat where you use the rock band drum kit. <laughs> no, we, ne- we never got... Um... Yeah, missed like opportunity. Cra- Crash Bandicoot, um, uh, guitar rift or something like that, which um, you know, in hindsight, probably a shame. But uh, damn, I would have played didn't that. Capitalize on that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I had a friend who used to claim that he was able to beat one of the Ratchet Clank games on PS2 using the Guitar Hero controller, but I never verified whether that was actually him just making things up, which I think it was, or if he actually did pull it off. <laughs> I do remember hearing people saying things like that back when back when the uh, peripherals just acted like regular controllers so they could just be used in any game. I I think I think some people are that crazy, but yeah, I never saw saw that happen <laughs> myself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm guarantee if we went to YouTube we could find some of those types of videos uh for sure. Um but god, yeah, I mean uh, that's it's a very special person if that's the only reason they were investing in like a guitar hero controller or something <laughs> was just to play like i don't know yeah like uh dark souls <laughs> uh true true hardcore mode <laughs> the dark souls of guitar hero literal dark souls <laughs> with a guitar controller <laughs> 
So we, we've sort of skirted around the topic, Zach, but if we're, if we're to distill the genre down, and of course this is a very subjective personal question, but in your opinion, what makes a good rhythm game? What are the, fac- what are the key factors that make a compelling experience? Is, it, is, is there ways that some games take the gameplay loop and do it in a better way, or does it, does it come down to the music available? Does it come down to the songs? Does it come down to the the well, the rhythm you're reacting to is that what makes a memorable experience or do you need a mix of the two which is probably where we're going to fall when it comes to the question but i guess what, what what's your thoughts on the dynamics of play yeah it's a good one i mean i definitely think you need good music it doesn't have to be licensed music as most of the stuff we've been talking about would focus on it can be original music um but good music is key uh and yeah i think just like it has to be while good music can do a lot of heavy lifting and get you there, again, Parappa the Rapper, mostly just a button press game, people love it. But I do think a good sort of control mechanism is is key as well. Um, so again, if you thought about Elite Beat Agents, Owen Dunn, people love that just tactile feel of like the tap, 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 drag, tap, 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 yes. spin. Like that's just very fun, like a uh, way to do it. You know, Guitar Hero, it feels like you're playing a guitar uh, even Just Dance or Sing Star, which are probably more not quite as you know strict with their inputs and how they calculate the um, uh, what you're actually doing. Uh, it's fun and novel, particularly at that time, to a sing and b uh, dance with a with a Wii remote. It's also where I'm going to say you should, if you haven't, you should really look up. There's a good Kyle Bossman video about the recent uh, esports Olympics, which had Just Dance in it. And how poorly that went. Um, <laughs> look that up afterwards because it's very funny how um, how badly run <laughs> that. Which has, to be fair, Just Dance has a pretty big esports scene. And my understanding in the era when it used the Kinect, it was actually quite um, competitive and good. Um, but yeah, now they were using like Joy-Cons and it got to the point where they're like, we're just going to like have you dance now and we're just going to judge you and ignore the game because the the scores are just like not making any sense wow. that was a decision they made halfway through the tournament after judging some contestants with the score and some now without but either way and, and that probably goes to like and that might be quite controversial because i know a lot of people what they love about rhythm games is how tactile and responsive they are you know again i'm thinking more along your dj maxes or a lot of your arcade games but um but I think for the general person, it doesn't need to be responsive. It doesn't need to be accurate. It just needs to be fun to do. <laughs> what about you, Ricky? Do you have any thoughts on, like, again, what makes a, a good rhythm game for, for you? Um, well, there's two main things. Like you said, it's got to have good music. And I know that's a really opinionated sort of thing, a personal thing. So I suppose I should break it down and say songs with, like, a good beat, I think, are key something that you can uh, keep time with. Otherwise, you're just not going to have fun from a gameplay perspective. And the other side of it is uh, basically as close to zero latency as possible. You want to make sure that Mm. whatever you're doing, whether it's pressing a button on a controller or button on a peripheral of other sorts, that it's matching up basically one-to-one with that beat so that you can continue to keep up your streak and have a good time. So... uh, I think at the end of the day, if you can manage those two things, 
you're well on your way to making a pretty good rhythm game. After that, I'd say visuals, of course, but again, that's that's more of a subjective thing and could be anything, really. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I another place, I mean, we, that rhythm games have thrived more so in Japan, but to an extent in other countries is obviously the arcade. You know, if you go to Japan, uh, you see a lot of rhythm games that we would have never heard of because they just don't get released out here unless you've got an arcade that does imports. But like, yeah, I just look at some of those and like some of them are very visually stunning, but others are like, yeah, it's just some flashing lights on a screen. But like, <laughs> like I, I remember one that was, we used to have an arcade in Melbourne called, I think it's like, there was two, two of them, like Blue House and White House, I think they were called or something like that, or Blue Moon and White Moon anyway. Um, and they had U-Beat, um, which I think is a, I want to say Konami makes it, but I'm not sure. But it's just like a square with little squares in it. And you just have to tap. But like because the clicks and the taps felt so good, it became very, very popular amongst a lot of people. Mm. Um, at that point, you're not even looking at the screen because you just try and touch the squares with a certain color. Um, and yeah, and then the music was also just very like, it was like anime music. Like, you know, the big one for me was the uh, Attack on Titan theme, which was very popular at that point in time probably still is today in some respects um really hooked me but uh that i think that hopefully i don't know brendan is that generally what you were were thinking as well with mine with what ricky and i said of what sort of makes a good rhythm game for you yes i, I agree with the sentiments you two both express because i i think about the more recent experiences i've had with rhythm games and i'm sure we'll, we'll talk about it as a topic to close out this episode but there's been a in some ways, a bit of a renaissance recently. There's quite a few rhythm games that are released this year, and there's if we're thinking about how the genre is progressing, where it can go, it has moved away from peripherals, but there's still many elements of the genre that have been taken forward in different ways, and some some are hallbacks to throwbacks to what we've seen before. Like, you look at the Nintendo Direct last week, which had two rhythm games in it. First, it had... Um, is it Super Crazy Rhythm Castle? I think the name. It's some nonsensical yeah. name. Uh, I think, but I think it is Super Crazy Rhythm Castle by Konami, which I think, which it appears to be a bit of a crossover between a puzzle game and a rhythm game that has elements of both genres in it. And then you have Trombone Champ, with which Trombone <laughs> Champ is like appears to just be a parody of a Guitar Hero without a without a plastic guitar peripheral, but is very much using the exact same, um, I guess, gameplay mechanics and tropes in a very amusing way because you're playing a trombone that sounds like it's off-tune most of the time going through public domain classic uh, music and songs. So I think that just does show that what Ricky said, I 100% agree with, that it do- the music you're choosing matters. The response time and how tactile the game is matters. Yes, you can make it a bit of a joke like it seems like Trombone Champ does that I think it's probably not supposed to be the most res- responsive thing. Not that I've played the game, so I can't judge it. But I, I, I have played the game. I'm happy to talk about it either now or later, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, in the spirit of blowing cartridges and the fact we go on wild tangents, let's talk about Trombone Champ. Zach. I, I, I need to disclose first, I did play the trombone the actual instrument uh, when I was in school um, for about a year and a bit. Uh, ah, so you're an so, expert. Yeah, I, I have a f- knowledge. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Yeah, trombone champ. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's that game is big on its silliness, and and that's where the visuals, like sh- the stupid knee looking characters, make up for a lot of it. But also with the music, what's interesting, I don't think the music in the game is actually all that great. What makes the game good is that a lot of people on the PC, at least, have modded in so many other <laughs> different tracks, and that has, I think, what makes it actually even funner because it's like. I don't know, playing like a Mozart song on a trombone and it sounds kind of bad is mildly amusing. But again, playing some of your favorite songs or even just like really memeable songs uh, yes. with a really shitty trombone is uh, is a much more entertaining experience. Yes, like I shared it in, I shared it in the Discord. I found um, Through Fires and the Flame on Trombone Chess yes. and that is amusing to watch. Yeah. And that's that's why I love the PC rhythm game space as well, because of that, you know, you do get your audio surfs, which are very much like, yeah, we've specifically designed this that you can chuck music in, that's part of the game. But then you also have just the modding scene for for everything under the sun, like Beat Saber, which I haven't played, but looks very cool. It's um, great. You know, yeah. I was going to play it. You get it on, on a PC VR thing, right? Because it's that ability to have the songs you like imported in versus having to deal with I don't know, buying DLC or playing what's just available on the on the base game. I think correct me if I'm wrong, Ricky, you've tried or talked about there's like a guitar hero fan sort of game, I think, on the PC, or maybe it's not the PC. Uh, am I wrong and I've seen you mention that on Discord before? No, no, you're right. You're talking about clone hero. That's yes. it, yes. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That came out I think first in Alpha like 2017 and uh yeah it is still very very popular there's there's big names who've made big names for themselves by playing that uh, on streams and stuff and uh yeah that's that's quite good um it can also technically be played on android they released an android version of it as an april fool's joke but it works perfectly fine and i do now and then load that up on my android tv connected to my tv just for real quick and easy playing but uh yeah that's It's one of those games where it's just they took the bare elements of Guitar Hero, stripped it back, got rid of the the characters, the visuals, just basically kept the note highway and how the game functions. And you just you can't just slap your own music into it like uh, Audio Surf, like you mentioned. Uh, You do actually have to uh, sort of author the tracks yourself to make them work. But because of that, there's a massive scene behind that. So probably more than tens of thousands of songs available now at least if you're playing at an expert level which i'm not so (laughs) the amount of songs available to me are significantly lower than that but yeah i I would say easily tens of thousands of customs at this point uh clone hero is massive that's awesome i mean that's that comes back to like what you want when you think about karaoke right you just want to know that the song you want to do is there and that sounds like what you get on a clone hero or again a really popular pc rhythm game um mm. even like brendan you were talking about elite beat agents right which osu is like a fan game yes. version of that that sort of does the same thing again probably lacks the, the 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 titular elite beat agents or the um from the japanese version the owen dan like cheer squad and the the fun cutscenes with the comic book sort of style but uh at least the gameplay and the soundtrack choices are are there <laughs> yeah and i i think it's an interesting point to discuss because in that regard, your more traditional experiences, what a lot of people see as 
representative of what those Ruthen games are, of your Osus and your clone heroes, that those are, have become well, fan ventures, that whilst Ruthen games have continued to be developed by your more traditional developers and publishers, that those traditional experiences are no, not really any not really offered any longer by those original developers and publishers outside of, well, harmonics keeping a rock band alive <laughs> in, in a sense. So I think that that's interesting in itself that it does, I think it does represent that we have moved on from, for better or worse, we've moved on from the genre. And perhaps it's because it's no longer financially viable or it's because that, well, effectively the fans can provide for the fans themselves without the need for, a company to intervene. I mean, in some ways it's probably beneficial that companies aren't intervening, right? Because if you're um, <laughs> harmonics, you, you need to pay probably something to the the track, you know, the license holders of whatever song you want to add. Is exactly. Ro- royalties and licensing fees. And that, I think yeah. that's an important part of the conversation, yes. And for, for better or worse, you know, um, the labels just don't either know or care about these these video games and they're not going after them as far as i can tell they might go after you if you stream it on twitch or youtube then you'll get a get a strike on your channel but they're not actually going and trying to pull down songs off clone hero off osu uh, or if they have they've either clearly failed and just have you know moved on i suppose yeah not much they can do about it and yeah that's licensing such a big thing Back when Harmonix started off with uh, Rock Band, they had uh, MTV's backing, which helped them out a lot with uh, that mm. sort of licensing thing. But uh, of course, they lost that over the years, and come Rock Band 4, they've had to do it all themselves. So, you know, the DLC tracks have been an interesting mix over the years. A lot of them are from bands that work at Harmonix or are friends of people who work at Harmonix <laughs> or. You know, lesser known bands who are like, yeah, we'll we'll do it to get our song out there, but yeah, not as not as much big big stuff these days. So, uh, the uh, the fan communities for Clone Hero and or even before that with Frets on Fire, if you've ever heard of that, uh, that was, yes, yeah. that was the phone one, wasn't it? No, no, Frets on Fire was just a, a PC game, oh yes, Guitar Hero clone where you played with the keyboard. That's right. Yes, yes. Yeah, I had a friend who was really into it. Yes. <laughs> and I think another new one came out recently. It's even on Steam called Yarg, yet another rhythm game, I believe it stands for. <laughs> so uh, there's that. That's there's still definitely a big thing there. And uh, yeah, as far as as long as you don't bundle those songs with the games, you know, legally speaking, well, you know, <laughs> yes. what can the companies really do? They they can look at it and be like, well, we don't like that, but oh well. yeah it's a fine line of as long as you're not monetizing it you're kind of you're in a gray area you can navigate through exactly that's why so i think a lot of these big clone hero streamers and that they're playing meme compilations they're playing songs that are that are covers and mashups and stuff rather than actual actual songs because i think even that's enough to get you copy struck off youtube and twitch automatically now so there's just really Mm. no point to it uh, makes me think of the the trombone game we mentioned earlier too. I think the funniest thing I saw of that was a custom of it where he was playing the trumpet, uh, the trombone to uh, the resignation of Liz Truss, <laughs> <as> prime minister. <laughs> <I think. laughs> oh, that's good. 
and that's priceless. You know, you can't put can't put money on that. <laughs> oh, that's gold. I have. I'm gonna have to look at that. Oh, I think we're both looking that up after this episode, Zach. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that that does take us to the um the next part of the topic in where do we see the genre going in the future? I know we've we've sort of we have mentioned a few of the games and like gameplay tropes that have been in some way, for lack of a better term, fused into the rhythm game genre. So like you mentioned earlier, Zach, your Crypt of the Necro Dancer and your uh, Cadence of Hyrule. The, the, Hi-Fi Rush this yeah, year was another one. Hi-Fi Rush. You have some older examples like your Harmo Knights by Game Freak, Pokemon developers, and more along the lines of a traditional rhythm game, your more elite beat agents-like game. You've had, well, the game I spent many, many hours playing Fiat Rhythm, Final Fantasy, Curtain Call, and you've also had, which I know you played, I don't know if you're still playing it, but I know you were playing recently, Samba Di Amigo. What, what's the subtitle to that? <laughs> uh, Party Central, I think is what it's called. But yeah, like that's, you know, it's interesting. We are seeing these sort of comebacks of some of these more like pre-Guitar Hero franchises like Samba Di Amigo, but I think that's also a, a byproduct of, the switch still being a thing and having suitable controllers because that's a, a maraca game so um you know for the most part you're just shaking joy cons the same way you did the maracas in the in the arcade or the dreamcast or Wii remotes when they did that version but yeah where do i see the genre going it's a really tough one because i think we will still see more indies doing it as you know that's going to be a key thing we'll see more of I think we'll see more attempts to do it in VR. Like, again, Beat Saber's massive. Um, for the VR space, at least, it's massive. I think we'll see more attempts at that. I do think at some point there will be a resurgence of someone will make an instrument and it will succeed. I, I just think, I don't know, maybe I'm off base here. I, I feel like it is one of those things where the nostalgia train will hit again mm. at the right time and um, people will want to invest and someone will launch a product at that point i don't know who it'll be i don't know if it'll be activision whether it'll be uh, i think harmonics is owned by epic now uh so maybe it'll be epic uh or whether it'll be a completely new entrant or it could be konami could they i mean they they did the guitar thing before guitar hero just none of us in the west really realized it for the most part i'm sure <laughs> someone did but, but not most of us was that guitar freaks i think i think so yeah, yeah. Um, so I think there will be a point where it'll come back just because as we've all touched on the fun control inputs is such a big draw card to the genre I just don't see how someone doesn't try to give it a crack again oh we'll throw to Ricky of course but I I just wanted to uh, add to that that what I found interesting recently particularly on the switch is that there was the tetsu what's the actual name of it in Japanese the drum game Taiko Drummer. Taiko, Taiko no Tsuchin. Yes, thank you. That that released on the Switch, but and but it was only in Japan that you could buy it with the drum peripherals. It, it also had a Western release, but it was only digital only, which you couldn't have the drum peripheral, but you could still play the game with it with without the drum peripherals. And I know at the time there was a bit of a discussion whether you actually got the true gameplay experience without the drums. Yeah, I mean, I I have the drums for that game because I got them off Play Asia on a sale, I think. Um, and it's definitely not the same. <laughs> I mean, the Joy-Con, sorry, are not nearly as 
precise and again don't they're not as tactile just going like versus you know having actual like feeling your your stick hit the drum itself but i think that's also a tricky one because that's got the added layer of like the best songs in that are all in japanese um, it doesn't really have any maybe does it might have some western pop but i don't think it has much if it does it's lots of again really see lots of royalty free music yeah you know symphonies uh, and whatnot from hundreds of years ago uh vo- lots but then lots of vo- vocaloid j-pop video game music as well but yeah not not quite the most fly off the shelves set of songs for your standard person but great for for a weeb like myself <laughs> <laughs> yeah i kind of wanted to get that myself but uh we did we did get the drum bundle here but i feel like they only got a handful because they were just gone like that and like they've been out of stock ever since so i've been kind of toying with the idea of oh well maybe while i'm in japan if like donkey Konger i come across a you know a secondhand drum i might bring that back and give it a go because i have played the arcade version uh recently at fortress in melbourne and uh that was pretty fun so kind of like to give that a go but again not so much with the uh the, the switch controls uh Heck, until recently, I didn't even unbox my Joy-Cons. <laughs> I don't want to use the damn things. So, yeah, I might might see if I can get the drum for that and give it a go myself. It does look fun. Yeah, I guess, I mean, either Brendan or Ricky, what about you guys? Do you think instruments can make a comeback in the way they, they had, you know, originally, well, not originally, but they had with Guitar Hero and Rock Band? Or do you think that's just an era that we'll never, never see again? Well. I think a big part of what brought down the whole genre of guitar here and rock band was just too much of everything. Like, basically in 2009, I think Activision brought out at least six guitar hero, DJ hero titles, and with new peripherals for all of them, as far as I can tell. And yeah, along with all of that, they've they've just sort of yeah it, it's become it's become a thing now where people are just making their own they're taking the shells of the old guitars putting uh raspberry pies in them uh replacing all the buttons with uh with mechanical switches and stuff and basically making these frankenstein controllers themselves whereas the last time uh a company actually tried to make them was uh i think pdp for rock band 4 they brought out a mustang controller and uh it sucked so did Mad Cats as well. They both sucked and they both failed. And I think that was <laughs> that was the last time anybody was going to bother outside of uh, arcade controllers. So apart from, you know, Tyco every few years maybe doing it, I don't think the peripheral thing's going to take off again. If anything, it's more of I feel like it'll move into the VR space at some point. Rock Band VR is already a thing. They started that in 2017, Harmonics. So maybe at some point in the future there'll be there'll be something to do with that. But I feel like, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think the plastic uh, instruments are, are dead and gone as far as big releases go and regular releases go, sadly. So when <laughs> if any of my guitars are dead, that's, that's basically it. <laughs> I think... Unfortunately, I have to agree with Ricky is that I think for better or worse, in many ways, we've gone past that plastic peripherals 
proliferation of controllers for rhythm games as a genre that yes you'll still get your taiko drum master drum hero games that will occasionally have the plastic peripherals or you get samba de amigo because they see that well the joy cons are basically as accurate as a as the peripherals we release the maracas in the dreamcast era and the Wii. well that's that that's the thing though with with samba de amigo i i would have been all for getting the new one if they brought back the macarinas but the fact that they haven't makes me go uh, do i really want it it was like the same when they brought out a version for i think the wii and it's like no nah, you just use mm. the wiimote and nunchuck i'm like well for starters those don't work very well to begin with but uh <laughs> i just want i want macarinas for my somebody amiga man come on let me hear that shake <laughs> yeah <laughs> no no i agree and I, I think it is a shame because well I, I agree with what we've said throughout this episode in, in that they do add an extra dimension to these games. That yes, you can have, you can still have the games without those dedicated peripherals, but you're missing a lot of the experience. You're leaving part of the experience that is being left on the table. And I've played Beat Saber on a PSVR. Beat Saber is a great, it's a great game. It's a lot of fun, but it is just using motion controls. It is you, you're not using uh, plastic peripherals. It it does feel good, but it's almost it's similar to an ex- a rhythm game experience you would have had with a Wii Mote or Wii Motion Plus. It's just there's that extra layer of uh, immersion and interactivity because you're wearing a VR headset. So there, there's something that is being lost. So maybe an ambitious developer and publisher will try to bring it back in some ways. And I think what you what you mentioned, Ricky, about how the fans have started chucking Raspberry Pis into dilapidated Guitar Hero um, controllers and creating Frankenstein monsters. Perhaps it will make a comeback, but it will be a very niche, more dedicated audience they are, they are targeting that are trying to attract. Like, similar to what Ubisoft tried with Rocksmith, which was, oh, you hook up a real guitar and you can learn how to play guitar in a video game, that mm. perhaps it's, it, it'll become more of a dedicated niche market that they target unlike what Rock Band and Guitar Hero did in the mid to late 2000s when it was virtually every, anyone that un- knew what a video game was knew what those games were. It, it, they were popular culture phenomenons. And I, I, I'm not sure if that will ev- will ever see the height of that again. Yeah. So what you're saying is limited run games is going to make a guitar uh, hero <laughs> game and sell it uh, for a lot of money. Oh, <laughs> uh, I didn't even consider that. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to this sort of thing, it is niche now. And the only way a company would get behind doing that sort of thing is by char- charging an outrageous amount for, you know, the manufacture and, and, and shipping of all these things. So. Yeah, somebody like uh, Limited Run Games <laughs> might get on that at some point, uh, some sort of uh, you know anniversary edition of Guitar Hero or something. But uh, yeah, I, I feel like as far as mainstream goes, it's not going to happen. That's just the money's not there. The interest, I won't say it's not there, but like you said, it's it's niche now. It's it, I don't think it's going to make its way back into mainstream. We're done. <laughs> I mean, even stuff like Just Dance, I think, is like, which doesn't require peripherals is interesting. I think that's kind of like on its way out, right? Like, yes, they're going to, I'm not saying they're going to stop making them. We'll probably get another three. 
but I don't think the sales are necessarily as high compared to was massive those first two or three iterations. And then I think it's sort of I think the, I mean the first decade I'd say that it was kind of long lived. Yeah. yeah, yeah, easily. But you knew it was all downhill once they stopped releasing it for the week. That was it. <laughs> yes. You just knew they're on the way out. So yep, probably one more and that's it. Unless they bring back the Wii version. Then, maybe, it'll be saved. Oh, there's, there's still enough Wiis out in the wild for them to probably be able to release a Wii version. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, or again, well, limited run games. <laughs> all roads lead to limited run. Unfortunately. <laughs> but that said, I think that's one thing with these uh, music games that are, again, heavily focused on uh licensed tracks actual hmm. you know songs created outside of mu- uh, video games e- ever since the 360 ps3 uh, to a lesser extent way but that era it's clear that they've saw the value in almost treating them like live service games but because we were still such a you know they they sold to such a casual audience they still have to release you know discs and discs and discs and discs every year to to put something on the shelf for Christmas. I will be interested to see if we get to a point where the general audience is more just savvy being online all the time. Can we just transition to like having a, a game like this, which is very much just permanently a, a service, I guess, as a game, which I know probably turns a lot of people off, but it's a genre that makes a lot of sense for this because, you know, people are already used to paying for Spotify or for, you know, other music streaming services. It isn't necessarily something where you want to be paying $2, $3 a track or $15, you know, for a pack of, uh, of songs, uh, plus paying, you know, $60, $70, $80 for a disc every year. It is something where if I could pay $30 a year, I don't know, maybe that's too much, maybe that's too little, and have access to just an entire library, it starts to make a bit more economic sense but i do think there's still a disconnect in today's market where so again just dance is the big one because they do have a just dance unlimited yeah subscription streaming yeah. Thing, subscription but i do think the target audience of just dance is still slightly not weirdly enough savvy enough for it like i don't know why <laughs> they again they probably get spotify but then once they get into the video game world they don't quite click in the same way that we would probably, if it was uh, a game we cared more about, which which I might be wrong, I don't think any between the three of us, I might be the biggest Just Dance fan, but I'm not, um, <laughs> even then, I'm not the that big of a fan. <laughs> Again, a tangent from me, but I, it, it does go to the mindset of gamers, and there's a weird analogy we can um, put here between what you just described, Zach, and the death of subscriptions for MMORPGs in that, well, because that was a monthly subscription model, but it very much fell out of favor and was superseded by free-to-play microtransactions base that that was a more palatable model for a lot of people than paying this monthly subscription. And sure, World of Warcraft still survives primarily on a monthly subscription, but it was anathema for a lot of gamers to actually invest in that model that they thought, well that's not something I want to get involved with for a variety of reasons they could attach to it. And to your point, Just Dance has tried it with Just Dance Unlimited. Uh, Well, Rock Band 4 very much work. Well, not really a subscription model, but it's working on a DLC model and isn't quite there. And wasn't 
I might be wrong, but wasn't Guitar Hero Live? Didn't that attempt a subscription approach? Yeah, I was going to bring that up. (laughs) Five years after Guitar Hero was dead and buried there, they tried (laughs) to bring it back as Guitar Hero Live as a games as a game service thing. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's not the main reason it failed, but it certainly didn't help. So I feel like that if 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 the uh, the whole genre of this thing wasn't dead by then that <laughs> that definitely sorted it out i just loved how it was on it was on the wii u but in like a bastardized form that i think for memory it didn't have all the features that the other releases had but but it was there it was there yeah you could you could play it somewhat pretty sure i got the wii u version for 20 dollars from ev at some point in clearance i was just trying to like look around <laughs> to find the guitar but i can't remember where i put it yeah, I, I think yeah. I got the bundle myself for something like fifteen bucks when they were really clearing them out, and uh, yeah, couldn't couldn't get into it. Didn't like the visuals. Didn't like the change in 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 the buttons. The the buttons make sense. If they'd started that back in two thousand five, that would have been great. But the muscle memory is there, <laughs> and it's not going anywhere. So that was not going to work. And then locking so many of the the cool songs behind a uh, a rotating. Uh, server-based thing that barely worked even when it did work yeah it wasn't great and then when they gave up on that i feel like it was probably within a year all those songs are now gone forever like whatever was left on the disc is whatever you got so that was uh that was pretty sad so i kind of kind of prefer the rock band thing where you can just pay for the dlc you want even now i think they have some sort of service where you can like um buy them as 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 packs as they come out for a cheaper price but uh i I don't really look into that i'm just there's maybe one song a a year that they put out that i'm like oh i like that one and i'll buy it but yeah that's that's about it and uh but the idea of it being a sort of games as a service thing yeah i don't know again they'd still have to to make the peripheral first and and get that out there if they somehow managed to do that and make a service that's cheap enough, palatable enough, and has good songs that everybody wants, it, it could work. I'd be all for it. I just don't see it happening. <laughs> I feel like they'd have to just capture the right moment in time, the lightning in the bottle again, that maybe a mixture of what Zach hinted at before about there'll be a period where there's a lot of nostalgia for these games, that people who grew up with them want to experience them again, and then you'll have a new generation coming in that has never seen a, a rock band set, never never, never understood that, oh, there was a video game based around effectively play, being in a fake band and it was really popular. But if, if there was a moment where you can harness all those together but do it in a new way and, I guess, piggyback off some of the new developments and uh, around the delivery of games and how games as a service work and what the consumer is actually willing to well, put their money into that you could have a revival in, in some way. But there's a lot of ifs in that proposition. Yeah, correct. <laughs> yeah, lots. Um, yeah, I don't think I've got my plan yet to take it to Shark Tank, but um, give me another couple of years and I'll, I'll see how I go. <laughs> are, are, you, are you taking it to Shark Tank or to limited run games? Shark Tank to then have like all the sharks knock it back and then like limited run games comes to me. You'll get a call from Jeremy Parrish. Yep. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Wanna work with us? 
But yeah, I mean, but that said, though, even without the peripheral games, I do think there's a space for just generally rhythm games where there are subscription services. And really, the ideal model is probably more like an Apple Music versus iTunes, where I don't know if iTunes is still a thing, but like I, I know you can still buy individual songs or you can just pay Apple the whatever it is per year to stream. Um, I think if you had a game like that, that would probably be the best of both worlds because you get the people like me who's like i'll just pay for a month and play it for a bit and then i want to access all a thousand songs and then other people who like i definitely want to make sure i've got whatever song it is in my library forever but i think that as i said i think that could work even for i don't know again like something like say if osu tried to legitimize itself right like i think there's there's a space for it unfortunately i don't think osu would have the funding to to get the licenses which is probably the other key challenge here is having yes. that uh, upfront capital um but like if you were say creating original tracks forever um if that's the type of game you are like you know if um final fantasy theater rhythm which brendan uh you played a lot of this year if they were like here's the like you know final fantasy theater rhythm like uh, subscription fee for ten dollars a year. We'll just keep adding music from our games to this service. Like it's it's not the worst option, I suppose. No, considering <laughs> at the moment they do work on a DLC pack model, which gets quite costly if you you're buying all the DLC. Of course, DLC does make it that you can select what you want. So there's some, of course, there's some pros and cons there. But then you might never try out, I don't know, Harvestella music, which I'm sure is not on there. Like, <laughs> it, it could be if, they, if they were raking in that subscription money. Well, though that. Bile and Wonderworld. But, but the, and also, that's another aspect of, I think, why subscription models have failed in the past is that sometimes there's songs that are added to the platform, and or, or if you're talking a guitar here in live, you have this weird rotation system that you're paying the subscription and you log in and you just go to your, you think to yourself, well, I don't actually like any of these songs. I'm not going to play anymore. And you turn it off. That, that That's sort of one of the difficulties you need to be able to surmount because particularly those types of rhythm games, as we've discussed, there is a intrinsic link between the gameplay loop and the actual music you're play you're well, interacting with. But if you don't like the music, well, the experience kind of stops there doesn't it yeah oh yeah but then i played one of the um, hatsune miku 3ds games and enjoyed it and i still don't really understand any of the music that exists in the (laughs) hatsune was it the it was the chibi one Uh, project mirai dx or yeah did it come with like some like cards in the box or something so i had a i reviewed it for uh, another castle so it was a review code ah Okay, well, I, I also played that one and also had a lot of fun. And that's the only Hatsune Miku game I've ever played. But, um, yeah, I don't know why. It came with, like, these trading cards. But, like, <laughs> I don't know who I'm trading with. Like, <laughs> you, Brendan, I well, not with me because I didn't get the cards. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh. um, but, yeah, that, yeah, I mean, that, that comes back to, like, even, like, theater rhythm. Like, I haven't played every Final Fantasy game, uh, so I don't know all the music, but, like, you can still play it and go, oh, yeah, this is a good yes. song. And then that's that's how you learn that song. I mean, again, even go back to being a kid, I didn't know the songs in Donkey Konga. I was like whatever age I was, not old. And so these were songs that I had not encountered in my life and that was my first experience of them. I'm sure that was the same with 
elite beat agents for you, Brendan. Like a lot of those songs were not necessarily ones you may have heard exactly. as a, as a uh, young kid. But it still has to be good. I agree with that. It can't be bad music or it's just not going to work. Yeah, so really niche music for, oh, this is my mate. He's decided to let me upload his music to my video game. I'm adding that to the subscription <laughs> for this month. Thanks, Frank. <laughs> friend from next door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, we've talked a bit about what we may think we see. I mean, what sort of, I guess, curious to see what you want to see from this genre going forward. I mean, I might start with, with you, Brendan. Is there any, like, you know, I think you've, you've again, talked about recently you really enjoyed uh, theatre rhythm or theatrhythm, however the hell you I don't even know. <laughs> uh, let's, let's, it's Square Enix, who, who cares? Um, yeah, what what are you kind of, like, you know, looking out for for the next rhythm game that's, that you might look to pick up? Because a genre that I don't think you actively seek out necessarily, unless I'm wrong. No, you're not wrong in that it's it's a genre I enjoy, but it's not one that I'll play every entry in. Though... I am kind of interested in Samba Di Amigo now, so I'll, I'll weigh out whether I actually buy the game and try it out. Uh, for me, I think it it does come down to the music. One of the reasons I well, I've played one of the original um, feet of rhythms on 3DS was even though I'm not that familiar with playing the Final Fantasy games, I I'm familiar with the music and I enjoy the music. It's fantastic music, and I like the because of Elite Beat Agents, I like the gameplay loop, particularly on the 3DS. I'd I'd say one of my downsides to playing Feet of Rhythm on the Switch that even though it's a newer game, there's some things it does a lot better than the 3DS games and there's a lot more songs available, is that I think something is lost with the change from using a touchscreen for the controls to just using buttons that it isn't quite as tactile, but... It's still pretty tactile. It still does a pretty good job, and it it's a very enjoyable game. Don't get me wrong, but there, there's something missing there. So, as we mentioned earlier, I don't really see it as feasible. But I would like a return to peripherals for rhythm games. I I do think that it adds it does add something intrinsic to the experience that elevates it um, above other genres. And I don't really know also see how that can be achieved as we've discussed it. I think ultimately it does come down to a lot of, well, it would come down to a lot of lightning in a bottle moments to achieve it. But that's what I would, in an ideal world where you could have everything you ever really wanted, that's what I'd, I'd want. I think in reality, I think as long as they keep keep to the formula that works in the current environment and the limitations of, well, it is going to come down to either button presses or a VR experience like Beat Saber. I think they just need to keep to interesting gameplay. You can combine it with other genres, try to create a cadence of Hyrule, Crypt of the Necrodancer. You take some of the rhythm game mechanics and add it to the action game genre or the puzzle genre and do some more interesting things with the pieces of the pie you have and create new experiences that are mixing different genres together. I, I think that's probably the the more sustainable future of the genre even though we're not going to have those more i guess those more authentic traditional experiences that we we once had no that makes a lot of sense yeah ricky what about you what what do you want to see like if yeah if you had your dreams come true in in a rhythm game coming out in the in the future oh dreams 
<laughs> Those are a thing. Are they? <laughs> I don't know. When you're in your mid-30s, what a dream. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I like that Rock Band still still trucking along as it's going. I I do sort of wish that Guitar Hero would come back, but Activision Blizzard as a company, especially now, are dreadful and I don't really want them to make anything that I'd want to buy. So I can't say that I'm really wishing for anything there, but their last proper Guitar Hero Warriors of Rock was just so good that I want to feel something like that again. I actually started replaying the story to that earlier this year with a mate of mine, and it's just it's just so much fun. I want that sort of experience again, but yeah, I don't know. I, I definitely don't want a limited run games situation, <laughs> but I also don't really want uh, an Activision Blizzard situation. So I suppose if I were to make a wish, it would be that uh, Harmonics eventually makes a Rock Band 4 and partners with a really good manufacturer for, for, for all instruments and we get brand new ones and and maybe they do switch to a, a, a different sort of a service. Maybe something along the lines of how um, karaoke joy sound on the Switch works where oh, yeah. you can uh, spend like 300 yen and, and play it for an hour or you can spend a bit more and get it for a month, a few months, uh, a year, something like that. That way you can just sort of drop in and out as you feel like it, but you have access to the entire whole back catalogue of, of songs. I think something like that, especially seeing as games as a service, is is definitely not going away. And I feel like as far as that sort of thing goes, that's I think I, I wouldn't mind that. So that coupled with brand new peripherals, that would make me pretty happy. But also, if we're talking wishes, like real wishes, I want brand new hands and wrists so I can actually play these games <laughs> <laughs> proper, you know? There, there, there's a reason there was a, you know, a whole sub-genre of clone hero that was called uh, Carpal Tunnel Hero. <laughs> I need brand new hands to go with some brand new peripherals. That's my wish. How about yourself, Zach, since you, it is a genre that you're still playing most games in it, yeah. and you, you obviously enjoy I it. Think- yeah, I do enjoy it. I think what I want to see is I don't necessarily want more of things like Crypt of the Necrodancer or Hi-Fi Rush, which I think are a bit too intense in some ways and too like, yeah, to just purely enjoy it as a rhythm game. But what I want to see is more stuff like maybe Sayonara Wild Hearts or even like Rhythm Heaven where they're a bit more like still kind of self-contained short song things. Um, but in absence of having a control mechanism to innovate they innovate through more just interesting sort of gameplay ways of dealing with the rhythm if that makes sense um so that's probably where i would like to see that sort of continue um and i think the indie space will probably provide for me there uh is my gut feel even something like um stray gods which is uh, the rhythm rpg yes yeah, Rhythm RPG I've been playing um, is quite interesting. Uh, it's probably not my favorite, but it's, uh, it's yeah, more experimentation of how can we sort of interact with music in a, in a gameplay way, uh, I think would be cool to see, and I, I'm all for it. But again, keep it, like, short so that, like, I can finish a song and have that kind of, like, whew, I've done it, and, like, if I have a score, that's great, I'll look at it, but 
Um, not necessarily I have to keep playing through a whole game consistently um, with changing music again, like a hi-fi rush or a, or a cadence uh, of Hyrule. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I'd like to see. Um, and then obviously the other thing is just quickly more video game companies taking advantage of the music of their own games to make it like theater rhythm yes. such a good idea everybody just do that like nintendo have made so many rhythm games like uh we said donkey konga we've said elite beat asians they did that jam with a band on ds as well Wii music uh smash Wii music yep um all of them have like three or four nintendo tracks why don't you just take the smash brothers ultimate soundtrack and make a rhythm game with it <laughs> that's that's what i want like 300 songs like it doesn't have to be a fancy rhythm game but if i can you know jam to some of my favorite video game songs uh it doesn't even have to just be nintendo every as i said every company capcom mega man and ace attorney music yes do mm. it <laughs> like anyway um, game freak just do it yes. yeah well yeah game freak yeah they did like two songs in harmonite i think but like why not make a new harmonite and just put or even just a, a uh, just make it a Pokemon rhythm game. Maybe that's what we're getting at the, at the time of recording. We're getting like these daily Hudson Amiku Pokemon collabs. Maybe it's all like gearing up to <laughs> to a Pokemon rhythm game with Hudson Amiku, which would be wild. I'd uh, buy I suspect it. Not. I think we. I think we'd all buy it. Everyone on this call would buy it. <laughs> yeah. Escape. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like if if even failing that, give me yeah Pokemon rhythm game with yeah each each game soundtrack. Like just just do that more often. That's uh, it's easier. You don't have to pay anyone unless you're like Square and X, where you for some reason gave the the rights to to uh, racist old composers, so you have to negotiate <laughs> with them. But I think he might have passed away. Yeah, he so he is dead. Yeah. Yay. Let's not yeah dwell on that too much. But uh, yeah, like still, like if you own the rights, like it's just a free win versus having to deal with sony music or i don't know whatever other labels that own music that's the only one that came to mind <laughs> um uh but yeah um that's that's something that would be good to see more of with that it's probably is the right moment to start to wrap this episode up and to pull the train back into the station so zach as always if anyone wants to reach out to us contact us using their internet and tell us that we're doing a terrible job tell us that we're doing a fantastic job well how can they do it yep uh preferred way best way leaving a review on your podcast service of choice uh whether that's apple podcasts uh spotify or just whatever you're literally listening to it on right now leave a review with a large number of whatever they use probably stars but maybe someone uses i don't know sprinks instead then other ways is uh, at Blowcut Pod on X or Twitter <laughs> uh, or whatever it's going to be called tomorrow, uh, as well as on Facebook, uh, or you can even just search Glowing Cartridges there. I think that should work. Uh, or if you hate all of that, but you have email, which you probably do, because how do you live in the world today without an email? It's pretty challenging. Uh, blowingcartridge at gmail.com. And of course, lastly, if you want to speak to me personally, uh, you know, come and pay me for my rhythm game idea that I'm going to take Shark Tank and take them out before they get to me, uh, you can find me at Eggerino on X or Twitter. And as always, you can find me at Tamazoid on the platform formerly known as Twitter X. And 
Uh, if anyone wants to find you, Ricky, if you want to be found, which is actually the more, more important question, where can they do that? Or if, if you want to remain anonymous as a, a loyal supporter and follower of Blowing Cartridges, loyal listener, sorry, not follower sounds a bit culty. We're not a cult, despite, <laughs> despite Zach's attempts to turn us into a cult. Uh, well, where can they not or actually find you? Look, if you want to see the memes that I'm tweeting and retweeting and the suspect stuff that I'm liking, you're welcome to find me, Fuzzy Selenium, over at the website formerly known as Twitter. Don't expect anything good. If I'm uploading anything myself, it's just a picture from the Switch so I can share it somewhere else or a photo of my cat. <laughs> that That's pretty much oh. it. But you can find me there. <laughs> Fantastic. Well... Until the next episode, uh, thank you for always listening to Blowing Cartridges. I think we're on about 46 episodes now. We're actually back to a regular release schedule. So hopefully we maintain that, Zach, and uh, keep on recording great Soundwave episodes. Episodes that enter the Soundwave. I think it's time for for my brain to be retired for this episode, I think. Fair enough. Thanks for having me, guys. (laughs) 